Content warning. This episode will discuss grooming and victim blaming. Please feel free to skip this episode if these subjects are particularly triggering or upsetting to you. Let all cats old enough to catch their own prey gather here beneath the podcast for a clan meeting. Welcome to Paws and Claws, a podcast where we read the Warrior Cats books in chronological order. I'm Scout, joined by my co-host and fanfic author Jill, and today we will be closing season two with three stories. The novellas Spotted Leaf's Heart and Red Tail's Debt, and The Fear of Fire short story. Jillian, hello, my friend. Hello. How are you doing today? Oh, I am doing quite all right. It was a pretty rainy day today. I played a lot of Baldur's Gate. Hell yeah. It was gray here, too. It rained like a little bit last night. I was very yeah. surprised, but I was definitely in EP mode today, I, which I feel like we God, always we always open the episodes saying we're so EP, but I'm just always tired is the thing. Dear, dear listeners, we're so EP. Dear listeners, dealing with closing in on 30 and realizing you have several illnesses that will remain with you for the rest of your life. It makes you very tired. Yeah, it turns out chronic illnesses are really uh, really a thing. <laughs> me when my chronic illness makes me chronically ill. <laughs> How could this happen? How could this happen? Who did this? Who uh, did but this? no, it was like, it was really cool outside today, which is kind of a shame because like it was rainy and wet. But hopefully that means we're done with 90 degree days here. By the time you hear this, it, dear listeners, it should be deep into fall hopefully please global warming global warming don't interact <laughs> do not interact dni if you're global warming dni yeah uh. <laughs> me, uh, fuck fuck global warming me and my homies all hate global warming yeah oh man but yeah been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate. It's, hell yeah uh, it is sort of kind of taken over my life i it's so both- fun <laughs> I both want to play it very badly and also know that I will then get nothing done for like yeah. seven months. Yeah. And so I'm afraid. Have I had over 50 hours in it and had just finished the first act of the game. Fuck yeah. I love a good long video game. Make my brain go burr. Yeah. Like I love a good short video game, but when there's a long video game that just like sinks its claws into your brain. Just gets There's in nothing there. like it. And like I'm there's already. nothing like that feeling. It's and it's so it's got a lot of replay value too. Like I'm already like, OK, well, I'm going to do a different playthrough. I'm going to make some different decisions or every single have... person that I've spoken to that has played this game is like, so here's my play. Here's my 12 step plan for uh-huh. all of the different runs that I'm going. To yeah, do. exactly. It's like, well, I want to find I want to romance this character, but I also want to romance this character, which is exactly why I've played Fire Emblem Awakening like a million times, except I marry Crom <laughs> every time. So don't even like 
we're the same. We're the same person when it comes to fire. I'm like, it God. Also, what happens to me every time? I'm, I always go in like I'm gonna marry someone different, and then I'm like, oh, Crumb. Crumb's right there. He's right there. Him. At least I marry everyone else to somebody different. Yeah, I have a piece of paper in my <laughs> me too <laughs> in my house somewhere that's covered in marriage plans for a Fire Emblem Awakening run. No, exactly. Same here. Oh boy, what a fun time. It's- it's yeah that's that's the neurodivergence isn't it it is uh (laughs) we're yeah we're kind of we kind of unintentionally segued into this segment how is the prey running the prey is running all right my cat is messing with the door she's looking for her own prey she says i want dinner she just ate she says i want more she's fat (laughs) too bad uh in terms of prey running we were lazy this week. We did a lot of ordering this weekend. Hey, you know, sometimes um, you got to treat yourself. Yeah. But we did go to a winery yesterday, so that was fun. Ooh, fun. Had some good raspberry wine, though I really preferred they had a wine slushy that was watermelon flavored. Whoa. Yeah, it did not taste like wine at all. <laughs> it just tasted like a watermelon slushy. It was really good. That's that's how they get you. That's when it gets dangerous. What about you? How's the prey running there? Prey is running. You know, it feels a little bit like leaf bear over here with Oof. the prey running. I feel like it's been a week where I have not. I've been I've been scrounging and scraping to find a meal. Uh, that is so not even this. Not even necessarily because we don't have any food. I've just been in, it's been one of those weeks where I'm like, I only want very specific food. Food that is so specific that even I don't know what it is. Oh, no, exactly. That That is what it feels like it has been like this week here. Uh, I think I made like two meals and the rest of it was like, eh, let's just scrounge up what we can. Well, because one of the nights Eric went out with his co-workers and I was like, well, I'm not cooking for one. Right, um, yeah. So then you do gender-neutral girl dinner. Exactly. Except my gender-neutral girl dinner was steak hibachi and a uh, sweet potato sushi roll and a cucumber sushi roll. Oh, that sounds good. It was so really- <laughs> Scrounging becomes, mm, I'm going to order, I'm going to order something nice. Yeah, it was, it became, I'm going to, I'm going to order my weight in sushi. You know, sometimes you just got to I love sushi. I had sushi for the first time in a long time recently and I was like man why don't I eat more sushi I'm very picky about where I get it so like even when I order sushi from this place I only ever get the vegetable rolls just because I'm like I don't know how I feel about ordering like raw fish for delivery yeah that's Um, fair that's very fair but whenever I go up to DC there's a really good uh, sushi place I go to almost every time and oh it is so good that's the closest I get to eating like a warrior cat. <laughs> <laughs> you have to you have to do the immersion because you've been mm-hmm. you've been writing a fic. That I is have the, yes, that's the rumor I've heard. Well, writing a fic is uh, <laughs> writing a fic is a very strong term for what I'm currently doing, which is making the allegiances and trying to plot everything out. But yes, I am finally getting back into the swing of writing warriors fanfic. Uh, it's all downhill from here, gamers. <laughs> Prepare to never see me again. 
Um, I mean, you know, back in the day, I would write a thousand words of Warriors fanfic every day when I got home from school. Damn, that's I, so many I words. I know. I definitely don't have that strength lately, mm-hmm. but I have started like a writing tracker. I found this nice little Google Sheets, like pre-filled spreadsheet so that it like already has all the formulas and stuff in and you can like track how much you've written during the year. That's cool. Yeah. So I've been really enjoying like keeping track of my writing that way. Uh, And I just started using it in August. But like in August, I wrote over 12,000 words and I was like, wow, that's a lot more than I thought I wrote. Yeah. And since the start of the year, I've written nearly 66,000. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Let's go. That's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. Um, so yeah, a lot of words. It's been fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to actually writing it. I am planning on doing kind of relevant to what we're about to talk about is, uh, I'm setting it like, I don't know, a couple generations after Dawn of the Clans. Uh, so it's in that kind of, big gap where they don't have anything. Yeah. In the big gap. So I'm kind of setting it in that area and, um, not really like... You know, I, I'm trying to use Code of the Clans as like, okay, this would not be part of it yet, but like, how can I sort of start moving towards it? So it is very much like exploring a little bit more of what I wish they had done in Dawn of the Clans that they didn't do, like going from the tribes sort of names to the warrior names that we know, things like that. Uh, exploring like, as we'll talk about, like cats being friends with each other across territory lines mm-hmm. um and just like a different a different era for for the kid cats so i'm looking Hell forward yeah. to it well that rules and as you said uh sort of relevant to that and relevant to what we're talking about here uh since it is the final episode of the road to rusty and we have uh mentioned and even read from on several occasions the code of the clans uh, supplemental warriors material. We thought that we would start this episode off before we get into the summary and the discussion of the novellas with a little mini discussion about the code and some of the stories in here, etc. Alert at the top. Alert. Alert. <laughs> alert. There will be changes to the warrior code in the future. Don't look it up. If you don't want to be spoiled uh, for stuff we will see eventually surrounding this topic, it will be a while down the track for the podcast. But if you are trying to keep yourself isolated from those things and from things that happen in later arcs, uh, just just stick with this and and uh, and stay away from the Internet. (laughs) Maybe that's a good piece of advice in general. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that later today. (laughs) Um, so this is the sort of, uh, I've got the list of the code as it stands in Code of the Clans here, mm-hmm. and I'm going to read it out for all of you. And then we can sort of go back and touch on things that we have to say about different codes. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good. Number one, defend your clan even with your life. You may have friendships with cats from other clans, but your loyalty must remain to your clan, as one day you may meet them in battle. Number two, do not hunt or trespass on another clan's territory. Number three, elders, queens, sick or injured cats and kits must be fed before apprentices and warriors, 
Unless they have permission, apprentices may not eat until they have hunted to feed the elders. Number four, prey is killed only to be eaten. Give thanks to Star Clan for its life. Number five, a kit must be at least six moons old to become an apprentice. Number six, newly appointed warriors will keep a silent vigil for one night after receiving their warrior name. Number seven, a cat cannot be made deputy without having mentored at least one apprentice. Number eight, the deputy will become clan leader when the leader dies, retires, or is exiled. Number nine, after the death, retirement, promotion to leader status, or exile of the deputy, the new deputy must be chosen before Moon High. Number 10, a gathering of all the clans is held at the full moon during a truce that lasts for the night. There shall be no fighting among clans at this time. Number 11, boundaries must be checked and marked daily. Challenge all trespassing cats. Number 12. No warrior can neglect a kit in pain or danger, even if the kit is from a different clan. Number 13. The word of the clan leader is the warrior code. Number 14. An honorable warrior does not need to kill other cats to win their battles unless they are outside the warrior code or if it is necessary for self-defense. And number 15, a warrior rejects the soft life of a kitty pet. So the first one is obviously, as we just discussed, sort of, sort of an interesting one because I feel like Especially reading, which I know this book came out after or before Dawn of the Clans, but like it feels like that's one that would have been established much earlier on than it actually was. Yeah. Uh, the little story in there is about a Wind Clan and River Clan cat who are having kits together and talking about like having. Uh, the Wind Clan cat come and stay in River Clan for a little bit while the kits are, are being born, and then going to Wind Clan for a little bit when they're, you know, old enough to start moving about and talking about how River Clan's leader is best friends with a Thunder Clan cat. And then, you know, as, as it happens, someone dies. Yeah, someone always fucking dies. Um, and they're like, you know what, this wouldn't have happened if the fact that, you know, you had friendships outside of the clan distracted each other, like distracted each other. So we should, we should not be friends with each other, which I just think is, first of all, it's a whack-ass rule. It is. It, it. And second of all, the amount of times this rule gets broken, it's, it's like stupid. every book. <laughs> it's stupid how often this rule gets broken. Well, the thing about it is that really the core of it is defend your clan even with your life. Yeah. Your loyalty must remain to your clan specifically. But they mm -hmm. treat it so much more like don't ever even look at another cat from another clan. No, exactly. But it's right here in the code itself. You may have friendships with cats from other clans. Exactly. No, it's so stupid. Like they very are they are very much cherry picking. 
yeah uh, what part of the code they want to listen to there yeah they really the cats really said insularism <laughs> isolationism is key is key uh there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in these books that's all about like how each of the clans is different from each other and the kind and like the cats are different and they do different things and it's like listen they're cats they're cats they're just little kitty cats there's only so much variance that there can possibly be mm -hmm. um so sometimes it's just, sometimes it's silly. Uh, sometimes it is very silly. Oftentimes it is very silly. Yes. Uh, do not hunt or trespass on another clan's territory is very straightforward. What's very funny about this is that there is a later one, uh, the one about patrolling boundaries. Uh, number 11, so number 11 feels like a, oh, what do they call it in the constitution? I'm blanking on the word. Amendment. It's like yes. an amendment to number to number two, because literally the story mm -hmm. for that one is like, well, it's against the warrior code to trespass. OK, but how do we fucking know if we're trespassing if we're not paying yeah. attention to where the to the borders and like marking that right. and stuff, <laughs> which was very funny to me. Yeah. Elders, queens, sick or injured cats and kits must be fed before apprentices and warriors. Unless they have permission, apprentices may not eat until they have hunted to feed the elders. There's a scene with this one that involves some characters who we haven't really been introduced to too much at this point, Longtail and Darkstripe, mm -hmm. um, but we will be seeing them coming up in The Prophecies Begin. Just a kind of a crazy story to me uh, in the way that throughout the whole story, Longtail is like, we can't, we can't be eating before everybody else and Darkstripe is like but what if we did eat before everybody else <laughs> and then at the end of the story a ghost comes and talks to Longtail and is like Longtail you shouldn't have eaten before everybody else I know and it's a whack story he truly was be he was being deeply pressured into it by Darkstripe mm -hmm. get off of Longtail's ass on this one yeah Longtail's a I'm good also boy. a long I'm also a Longtail apologist he's a good boy yeah I mean, as a concept, it makes sense as as a rule. Like, I got no yes. beef with this part of the code. Yeah, no beef with this with this rule. Good rule. Just uh, wanted to point Black out that story. story because it really uh, felt like it was missing missing the point. Uh, felt like you know, mm -hmm. wow, cool robot going <laughs> over the head a little bit. <laughs> wow, cool robot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, prey is killed only to be eaten. Give thanks to Star Clan for its life. There's not much to say about this one. I, again, have really no beef with this one. The yeah. the little story that goes with it isn't really much of anything. It's a it's a bunch of kittens playing with a mouse and they're and like then all the other. Will. Yeah. And all the cats are like, hey, that's fucked up. Stop that. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's all squashed now. It's all squished. <laughs> and then an owl comes and swoops down and takes the mouse, which is such a weird I turn know. for the story. These stories are so fucking odd, honestly. There's there's such a like weird balance of them. Uh -huh. There's something about like some of them are extremely like, yeah, this makes sense. And some of them are extremely I, I don't contrived. Know. Yeah. It's very much like what is the situation we can make to show why this is a rule? Instead of mm -hmm. just being like, this is a logical rule. Yeah. 
<laughs> a kit must be at least six moons old to become an apprentice. I don't think we really need to discuss this one because we talked about it a lot with Yellowfang yeah. Secret. Uh, how fucked talk up about it is to make baby soldiers. Yeah, uh, very fucked up. I just did want to point out um, in Yellowfang Secret, there was uh, a scene about about this this apprentice, Badgerpaw, who was too young and who ended up dying in the conflict with WindClan. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a more in-depth version of that scene in here with with Flint Fang, the mentor of this two young apprentice and the apprentice like dying and being given a warrior name by his mentor like in his last breaths that just really fucks me up. This is a this is a pretty well-written one. This one yeah. gets me. Yeah. Um so that one's worth looking at if you ever that would be a recommendation of something to actually read in here uh let's see newly appointed warriors will keep a silent vigil for one night after receiving their warrior name this was kind of a silly story to me it was basically (laughs) the river clan medicine cat is like these young warriors are too fuck them kids these young warriors are too reckless and wild they're playing games all the time. They don't know what it's like to be a warrior. Uh, and he goes to the Moonstone and he just like listens to Starclay and he's like, wow, you know what? They need a night of listening and just like thinking about what it means to be a warrior. And then he's like, this is what we're going to do. And then they, because they did that, there was a fox that was going to sneak into camp and they chase off the fox and yay. I personally liked the way it was in Dawn of the Clans because we got a little bit of something like it in Dawn of the Clans, and I very much preferred that execution to this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. Did we get something about this vigil in Dawn of the Clans? Because there's the two different vi- there's I there's feel this like vigil and then also there is like the vigil of sitting over uh, a cat as part of the mourning process. I feel like we got both of them, but I I'm gonna be honest, it's been months, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm, but I'm feeling the same way. This is another one that feels like a little bit contrived. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a bad idea. It's just a little um, silly the way it comes comes to light. Yeah, I do, I do like the idea that this medicine cat was like, how did, did we need a night of shut the fuck up Friday? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got a cat cannot be made deputy without having mentored at least one apprentice. The story for this one is, is, pretty cut and dry. Uh, Cat is assigned to be the deputy, hasn't had an apprentice, feels very overwhelmed. Has no idea what he's doing. Has no idea what he's doing. Is kind of getting bullied. Yeah. By his clanmates about it. Um, And then just has a conversation with his leader. Like, I don't think I can do this. And she says, well, we'll give you an apprentice as soon as possible. And also I'm going to make, I'm going to propose this as a code yeah and you know it's a smart idea mm-hmm. i definitely think that it makes sense to have that because being a mentor is definitely like hugely impactful on a warrior in mm-hmm. our experience of reading the books so far and what we will read in the future uh it is like you know you got to be a teacher before you can be a leader the, <laughs> the principal exactly <laughs> 
Oh, I don't think that's a great analogy. No, but it's uh, true, though. Like, you have to but, be a teacher before you can be a principal. You've got to, yeah. I mean, it's really just about experience, and I, yeah, no beef with this one. Yeah. No beef. The deputy will become clan leader when the leader dies, retires, or is exiled. How many leaders have retired? One that we know of. Okay. I was just curious, because that feels like... It's One that not... we know of, and, and it was Pine Star and Star Clan withheld a, a yeah. life from his from uh-huh. his uh, successor after that. So like, not a gr- I don't know. I don't know that you know they got to put it in there. Yeah, just in case. Cover their bases, I guess. Yeah, that was just an interesting little tidbit from that one that I was like, now hang on a second, who's out now, here retiring? <laughs> Who is retiring? Uh. This is a for-life position, like the Supreme <laughs> Court. <laughs> uh, I just can cannot believe it's... We've talked about this on a previous episode. We talked about this forever ago. But it's so funny to me to think about there being deputies, but the deputies weren't the ones yeah. taking over as leader. That was wild to me. I mean, what if the vice president was just there for vibes? Yeah, that's literally exactly what this is like. <laughs> uh, just crazy. Um, and I suppose, I suppose it's more, it, but more of perhaps a monarchist look at it because mm-hmm. it's very much, you know, close kin of or very close friends of the leader will become the next leader, and the deputy is more of an advisor, I guess. Right. Uh, but still just like very, very funny to think about that this was just the way that it was for a while. Mm-hmm. After the death, retirement, promotion to leader status or exile of the deputy, the new deputy must be chosen before Moon High. Very sad story with this one yeah. of just a, a series of unfortunate events where like the leader and then the deputy who was going to become leader both die of sickness, die of mm-hmm. green cough before the new leader can assign a deputy. And there's a whole thing happening there. Uh, the thing I wanted to touch on with this one is the faking of a Star Clan omen by the medicine cat. Yeah, that's not the... First time that we've seen it happen. Won't be the last time we've mm-hmm. seen it happen, but just it was really striking to me that like, wow, this whole rule and everything kind of ends up being based on. I mean, it is like they say in here, it is the will of Star Clan, but the medicine cat goes out of his way to create a physical yeah. like omen of who should be the yeah, because Snowstar is Snowstar does say like hey we want her to be the next leader right but also Snowstar does ask the yeah. it, it a lot of it is like Snowstar asking Red Scar well who do you think it should be and Red Scar's like flower stem Snowstar's like yeah I think I so think too. so too I say what you say but just the uh that that Red Scar had to you know do a DIY mm-hmm. uh like miracle make was, your own miracle. Make your own <laughs> BYOM, bring your own miracle. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I liked that one. Yeah, I liked that story. That was one of the highlight stories for me in here. Number 10, I feel like we talked about at length. Yeah, the this is the, the, the full moon, the truce. The way mm-hmm. that this gets instated is that Shadow Clan attacks during the full moon and Star Clan sends a lightning storm uh, to fuck up everybody's 
business. Yeah, and as much as I made fun of, like, the spirit cats a little bit, like, you know, being so vague and stuff, at least they were very much like, hey, meet here every month. If we darken the sky, it means we're pissed at you. Yeah. <laughs> like, for all of the th- wacky things StarClan did in the beginning, they they did that one thing right, I feel like. Yeah. They also get... they. They've only become vaguer. They really uh, have. And I still don't know if that is intentional or if it is a side effect of the way that the, like, the order in which things are written, where mm-hmm. a lot of stuff gets backfilled. Yeah. Or if it is, like, I just, I want it so badly to be that there has been some kind of f- fucking with the connection between Star Clan and the clans. And I just don't think that there's enough evidence there that, that that's what the Aaron's meant for it to be. But God, I wish that that was it because that's so much more interesting. Right. I agree. The next one is boundaries must be checked daily. Challenge all trespassing cats. Talked about that a little bit earlier. There is also just... The best White Storm scene, uh, as like a little aside, that is told from what perspective would you call this? Is it second person? It's yeah. Um, I guess I don't know. It is sort of just a dialogue. It's like it's It's dialogue. It's like almost stream of consciousness too. Yeah, it is one. It is one character speaking in first person to a group of characters that do not speak at all. I guess it would be first person. There's just no yeah. dialogue tags. Yeah, there's no dialogue tags. Um, but it's just a great scene of White Storm, uh, our king White Storm, trying to wrangle all of the apprentices that we will be meeting in the prophecies begin uh, to teach them a lesson. I might come back to this and like read this out in one of our episodes yeah. after we've met all of these characters because it was such a delight. Mm-hmm. I love these cats. I love them all so much. I'm so excited. Uh, the word of the clan leader is the warrior code. We talked about that one with Cloudstar back. Yeah, uh, read that. Read that uh, Cloudstar story back a couple eps ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, honorable warrior does not need to kill other cats to win their battles, unless they are outside the warrior code or if it is necessary for self defense. Boy, we sure do have a lot of cats breaking this one. Uh huh. Yeah, a lot of cats sure do be killing. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, a warrior rejects the soft life of a kitty pet, which is, in fact, put into the code because of Pine Star. I still am reeling over that. It's in this book. There mm-hmm. is, like, another C. There is this the same, like, stuff that we saw in Pine Star's Choice, but from Lion Paw's perspective. And it's still got me reeling that this is, like, <laughs> just something that the leaders after Pine Star left were like, you know what? Fuck Pine Star and fuck everything Pine Star stands for. Yeah. I do. Th- the one funny thing I did like from this story is Lion Paw wondering what his warrior name is going to be because Pine Star is trusting him with this secret. And he's like, maybe my name will be Lion Trust or Lion Loyal. And I'm like, buddy, those are such bad warrior names. <laughs> you don't know how anything works. Uh, it's like you would be bullied off of the fanfiction.net forums circa 2004. Oh, I think we... Did we skip a... Oh, shit, we did. We skipped number 12. We skipped a kit 
a kit in danger, which I just, the only thing I want to point out there, no warrior can neglect a kit in pain or danger, even if the kit is from a different clan. Very good. No, no beef with that. Um, it is brought, it has been brought up in Maple Shades Vengeance, um, as something that, uh, was sort of abused and not followed in that instance. Mm -hmm. Um, I would argue as well a little bit goose feather in Crooked Star's Promise. Yeah, I'm yeah, cuz I I'm like He just he, let that boy like sit in the water. He did not try and help him out. Yeah, I don't cuz I think there's some reads on that that could be that he did it purposefully. I don't think he purposefully meant to like fuck with uh with Stormkit, but he didn't help get him out of the water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I did want to point out that there is a scene here uh, where Yellowfang's dad saves Tiger Kit from a fox. And I was just like, hey. Hey. Pointing. Pointing. I know them. <laughs> I know them. I saw I Brackenfoot. I was like, hey, my guy Brackenfoot. I know this guy. I know this guy. Archie is here. I'm like, hey. Hey, I know you. You, you with the with the DreamWorks face. <laughs> so should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, these are some weird. These, yeah, there's some stuff happening. Why don't you? Why don't you give us that summary, Scout? Let's get into the summary. In Spotted Leaf's heart, we revisit the final third of Blue Star's prophecy. This time, from the perspective of Spotted Kit. The young cat is fascinated by all aspects of clan life, and her curious nature is praised by the warrior Thistleclaw, who begins to pay her special interest. On one of her first outings as an apprentice, Spotted Paw suffers a dislocated shoulder after falling from a tree, which she climbed at Thistleclaw's encouragement. The incident leaves her confined to the medicine cat's den for several days, where Feather Whisker assigns her herb sorting tasks to keep her from boredom. Though she shows an affinity for it, she is eager to return to her normal apprentice duties and to spending more time with Thistleclaw. The senior warrior continues to seek her out, going so far as to tell her in private that he hopes one day they could be mates, residing over ThunderClan together as leader and deputy. Spotted Paw, drawn in by his words, accepts a clandestine invitation to a secret meeting later that night, and is shocked to find herself living through a dream of a dark, starless place. There, Thistleclaw guides her to a collection of bloodthirsty warriors, led by none other than our old friend Mapleshade. Sickened by the displays of violence from the Dark Forest trainees, Spotted Paw flees and in the morning confronts Thistleclaw. They argue over the morality of learning to fight with intent to kill instead of to protect, neither bending in their convictions. Sometime later, Spotted Paw finds herself once again drawn toward the path of a medicine cat after saving an elderly clanmate from death. But her feelings for Thistleclaw continue to hold her back. 
One final time, she visits the dark forest, hoping to convince Thistleclaw to choose her over his bloody ambitions. But instead, she witnesses him kill another trainee during a practice fight. With the realization that Thistleclaw will never choose her over violence, Spotted Paw resolves to accept Featherwhisker's offer and become a medicine cat. It is not long into her apprenticeship when Bluefur's kits are born. The queen confides in Spotted Paw that she worries the clan itself might need her more than her family, especially if it means keeping Thistleclaw from becoming deputy. Later that moon, when Spotted Paw sees Bluefur and her kids disappearing into the snow one night, she prays to StarClan for their safety and thinks how she and Bluefur have both given the entirety of their hearts to ThunderClan. In Red Tail's debt. We pick up not long after Spotted Paw's story, now following her brother Redpaw. The nervous apprentice finds himself owing his life to ThunderClan's fiercest warrior, Tigerclaw, after he saves him from being carried off by a hawk during yet another conflict over Sunning Rocks. Throughout his apprenticeship and well into earning his warrior name, Redtail is pressured by Tigerclaw into supporting his ideas and backing up his lies, all under the pretense of a debt he could never repay. During one such incident, Tigerclaw goads Redtail into attacking a WindClan apprentice after she accidentally crosses the border in pursuit of a rabbit. The unfounded violence balloons into hostility between the two clans when Tigerclaw convinces Redtail to support the lies he tells their leader Sunstar about the conflict and he's horrified when his actions directly influence the choice to send a patrol and attack WindClan's camp. During the raid, Redtail is sick with guilt, knowing this is wrong and feeling responsible. Blue Fur is badly wounded in the battle, and Redtail calls a retreat to keep the incapacitated deputy from dying before they can return to ThunderClan's territory. A furious Tigerclaw again reminds Redtail of the debt he owes, but the younger Tom at last feels confident enough to stand up for himself, and asserts his only debt is to ThunderClan itself. No longer beholden to Tigerclaw, Redtail comes into his own, eventually earning his position as Bluestar's deputy after Sunstar's final life is lost. While Redtail has the clan's respect at large, Tigerclaw still questions his authority at every turn. And when the two end up alone after a bloody conflict at Sunning Rocks, he seizes an opportunity, killing Redtail in cold blood. Now walking with his ancestors, Redtail voices his fear that Tigerclaw will bring ruin to the forest. But his disquiet is soothed after being shown a vision of a flame-colored tomcat who will burn bright enough to outshine Tigerclaw and save the clan from destruction. In a fear of fire, we briefly follow Tigerclaw as he is plagued with fiery visions. While on patrol near Two Lake Place, he darts atop the fences, looking to cause trouble. 
but instead is frightened as the smell of smoke fills his lungs. He sounds an alarm, but when the rest of the patrol looks around, there is no evidence of a fire. They mention seeing only a little orange kitty pet. And he surely couldn't be anything to worry about. I will admit, for all three of these stories, I only have one page of notes, and a lot of it is big caps. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, oh God, I don't have like a ton written. So I feel like let's, let's talk about Spotted Leaf's Heart, a contentious novella. Extremely contentious. If you look up Spotted Leaf's Heart, you get You will get a lot of results. angry people. Uh, I do just, I want to open this conversation by saying I've, I've named this the uncomfortable age gaps and bad power dynamics duology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Everything is so bad. All the vibes are so rancid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's so Spotted Leaf's Heart. Yeah. Written by Victoria Holmes, published in April 2017. I mentioned last episode that we would be returning to Thistleclaw, and boy, here he is. Yeah, I I will say I liked that Thistleclaw is more explicitly not a decent dude. Yeah, they made him they made him eviler. Yes, uh, they really did do that, which is something I complained about with with Blue Star's prophecy. Yeah, it was so, not like, super evident that he was like going to the dark forest and doing shit in Blue Star's prophecy, but in this one, it is like very clear like this man has hatred and evil in his heart. Absolutely. Which is why I'm not as upset as some people and probably as you are about the like problematic age gap relationship between the two of them because it is shown that he is like not a good dude. I feel like it is expected that you're going to be like, okay, he's not a good guy. Therefore, this is not a good thing for him to do. But I agree it was not like... They could have hammered it home a little bit more. Yeah, I'm very conflicted on it because a lot of like a lot of the stuff that we see when when like looking at criticism for this online, if you if you look at people's thoughts, a lot of it is like this shouldn't have even been written. How could this be published? A lot of people are like, I don't consider this canon because it makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, that is not a healthy way to engage with the media you're consuming. And I think that it, I, so I didn't, I, I didn't mind that aspect because I mm-hmm. think that it is interesting and uncomfortable and I think it's okay to be uncomfortable. And I think that Thistleclaw is supposed to be a villain. And so mm-hmm. like, it's good to show him being villainous. The thing that, that like threw me the weirdness of it is that it's never directly addressed yeah that thistleclaw like by the narrative like right. like by by the way that the story is written it's yes, never she ex- kind of just like gets over it right gets she over just it, quote unquote there's some things that i have to say i've been watching a lot of cult documentaries lately <laughs> uh and a lot of it is about like the abuse of power and like how victims can become abusers as well. And I feel like that ties in a lot to the reason that people fucking hate Spotted Leaf. Yeah, um, there's there's so much about people have thoughts. People about have Spotted a lot Leaf. of a lot of opinions. I always kind of liked her. <laughs> 
a problem with her. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know that I, when I was a kid, I had a little tortoiseshell, uh, like, stuffed cat that I always called Spotted Leaf because I was like, oh, yeah, this is Spotted Leaf. And then this one is Firepaw. And then this mm-hmm. one is Blue Star. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember really liking Spotted Leaf as a child, like, the first mm-hmm. time I was reading this. And then some, like... We can't talk about that stuff yet, but... Yeah, uh, but yeah. No, I, I will but, say, like, seeing this made me understand a little bit more why her actions in the first book, like, are what they are. Because she was a victim and does not realize that, like, that's not a healthy relationship. Yeah. And that's, like, the main thing that everybody fucking hates about her. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's... We're going to talk about it a lot in The Prophecies Begin, uh, yeah. I assure We'll you. probably be getting into this in the next episode. Yeah, but I um, I feel like to discount this book fully just because it has a narrative that makes you uncomfortable is an unhealthy way of approaching it. I feel like fiction exists to make it... Like, this is the, the lit teacher coming out in me. Like, mm-hmm. fiction exists to make us uncomfortable. Otherwise, people wouldn't enjoy horror so much. Yeah. Like, if it makes you uncomfortable, don't engage with it. But yeah. don't say this shouldn't exist. Right. Because it makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into this in the fandom aspect, because, oh boy, do I have some things to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as for, yeah, as for my thoughts here, I, it really came down to that spotted paw in this instance never has somebody in her corner advocating for her Mm -hmm. and helping her like get out of this situation she literally just sort of like removes herself from it and there's no consequences for thistleclaw and there's really no consequences laid out yeah i think it just it just becomes like it becomes a whole different story at the end that's exactly what i was gonna say like you know, it's a fact that not everybody who does bad things is going to face consequences. So I don't feel like I'm as upset about that bit. But what I right. am like, the issue I do have is like, as soon as she removes herself from the situation, it's like it never happened. Exactly. And that's yeah. that's my problem is like, there's no, like, it just feels like it was kind of thrown in there when you look at it from a story structure Exactly. Yeah. When I say like, when as, I say as it stands, I don't think there was necessarily any problem with he him not like facing direct consequences. No, no, yeah. When I say no consequences, I think the what like the phrase I was really looking for is no like seemingly no lasting impact uh impact yeah. on the characters. Yes, I agree 100%. Um, in that it just sort of disappears. And that was the thing that felt the weirdest to me. That it was presented in a way that was that just like it sort of became a non-issue. Yes. Uh in the end and like mm, it was but it was also kind of part of the thing that made this an interesting villain story mm-hmm. and then it and then so it that like it weakens that by making it a non-issue too it's very like it's all uh it's hard to talk about like it's a hard thing to yeah. to like discuss and not feel weird about and like you said i think that it's good to feel weird sometimes i think that fiction is a place where we can safely sort of tackle these sorts of things Exactly. That is... I just don't know that there's any tackling going on here. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like it could have been done better, which is what we say with a lot of the Warriors yes, books. Yes, exactly. Not that different from any other... Uh, any other Warriors book. Any other Warriors thing. Yeah, exactly. In other news, Maple Shade's here! Woo! <laughs> Woo! I kind of wish that there had been more Maple Shade here. I... I do too. She was a bitch. <laughs> she was. How, I loved how evil she was in this book. She was just like, get this fucking I did I love that little moment. baby out of here. I love that moment where she was like, this fucking weenie tortoise shell again? Are you for real? Get her out of get here. Get her out of here. Yeah. I love Maple yeah. Shade. Maple Shade Maple Shade's such a good villain i agree what else happens in nothing this? Like, I guess like that's, that's it, it. <laughs> and i have even less to say about red tail's debt i'm Me sorry too. i did not i did not care for this one i was it's like not- this is a nothing book to me it really and, is and it's not even and i know you know we've talked a lot about how warriors Cannon gets all fucky and I know, but it literally but it li- takes like the one thing. Yeah, it takes the one important. big important thing from the prophecies begin and, and just completely it changes it. And I'm like, no, I. This is one of those where I'm like, yeah, you can say this one isn't canon <laughs> because like <laughs> it fully retcons and obliterates like an entire pl- huge plot point in the prophecies begin. Yeah. And it's bad. It's and not, it's bad. It's not, it's good not even see. good. Uh, um, it's not. I get, and it's not even like a good scene. It's, it's so not. It's so. I was legitimately when I was reading that scene, I was confused as to who was there. I was like, who it, the fuck is attacking who? Because it's who? confusing. Yeah, it's not especially well. The whole thing feels. Very, I don't. It just. It's just weird. It was all weird. Yeah. I really like uh, this was a nothing story to me. I would not recommend anyone read it. I would just kind of push Which is it to too the bad side. because I like getting I liked to Red see Tail. like I, I like was... Red Tail and I and the thing is that we're going to get talk about a bitch who haunts the narrative. Yeah. Red Tail is going to be haunting the narrative come the first book of prophecies mm-hmm. begin big time. Yeah. Um, and especially with my babyest son boy of all time, my dear Dear Ravenpaw, my beloved, my adored, like, this boy's haunted. He's so haunted. I love Ravenpaw. Oh my god, I love him so much. We get to see Ravenpaw in this one, which was like a big shining light for me, thank god. Mm-hmm. His personality was a little different in this one to me. It was it like was. kind of I hashtag think- not my Ravenpaw. I think I was reading it very much as him trying to yeah trying impress to impress Tiger, Tiger Claw. Claw here yeah yeah um, but it felt weird uh, yeah I did this, like getting to see Tiger Claw be a bitch I, that was my favorite part of this was like because there's a lot of time in the prophecies begin that we're gonna see we're gonna spoiler we're gonna see a lot more Tiger Claw um, a lot <laughs> and. There's a lot of moments in the prophecies begin where we don't really get to see like this behavior at work. The fact that he is not just a super strong guy. He is also very good at manipulating a situation. Very good at uh, at like silver tonguing. Gaslighting. Mansplain, manipulate, etc. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mansplain, manipulate, not male wife. Nope. He's never done a day of male wifing. He's a deadbeat dad, actually. He is. So many deadbeat dads in this fucking series. 
Has anyone uh, checked in on the errands? Are they okay? Are they okay? Um, <laughs> I do just want to. I want to touch on one more thing. I know we've just been we've been ragging on Red Tails. No, of I'm still, and I'm going to rag on it a little more. I'm sorry. The fact that the ending is just him going to Star Clan and being like, "Oh no, what's going to happen?" Oh, okay. Firepaw is going to make everything better, and that's the end. Yeah, is so nothing it's, again. Yeah. Taking away any agency that he had in that situation, making it once again about Firestar. Mm -hmm. Which was a a huge problem for me when I was reading the books. (laughs) Um, We will learn very soon. I am a hater. (laughs) But I'm hoping Uh, my reread gives me a little bit more love in my heart for our protagonist. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, would you like to do sharing tongues before Aaron Corner today? Since, I feel like, yeah, because a lot of since sharing of tongues has to really do with what we have up, talked yeah. about in our And the Aaron summary. Corner is not very specific this uh, this week. Yeah. So. Uh, so we'll start with Red Tail's debt and then go to Spotted Leaf's Heart. So we'll kind of like... Uh, Sounds good. Bookend with the fucked upness. So not a ton in... The tag for Red Tail's debt on Tumblr, which, you know, kind of tracks with the way we felt about it, uh, mm-hmm. except for Bonefall. User Bonefall uh, was talking about how they wish we had never gotten Red Tail's debt. It wasn't really needed. It didn't add anything new. And it kind of detracted from Red Tail as a character. And I kind mm-hmm. of agree. Like, I like a bitch who haunts the narrative, but I like it more when we don't know them and we only see them as what people saw them as. Yeah, I can totally see that. So I think, you know, I think they make some very good points. And that's part of the reason I was so cool on it. I'm like, this didn't add anything to my understanding of Red Tail. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't seem like a character that I was, like, particularly interested in in this story. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, he's awkward. That's about all I could tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that this puts, like, this post and what you've been saying kind of puts a lot of the amorphous wordless like feelings that I was having about (laughs) it better into perspective so thank you. Well you're welcome there was some cool art of big old tiger claw standing over a tiny little uh, red tail uh, with the caption all I ever wanted was to be like you which I think is you know it's some good art yeah good times uh and the official cover art in china is oh that rules soap that is so sick wow uh it's got tiger claw leaping over red tail who is like doing that mouth open cat like freaking out face Mm -hmm. is so good in terms of ao3 there is one fic with the novella tagged but there's technically not even a tag for the novella. <laughs> so the girlies have nothing to say. They have nothing to uh, say. He is in a hundred. He is tagged in 176 fix. But I imagine most of those are prophecies begin fix kind of talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, like talking his about role him. in that mm-hmm. book. Spotted Leaf's Heart. I'm going to get to the Tumblr one last because it made me uh, a little a little heated. All right. Six tagged for the novella, 286 fix tagged just for Spotted Leaf, uh, and 14 tagged with the Spotted Leaf Thistleclaw relationship. And to my understanding, when I was looking at them, 
Like, none of them are portraying it in a positive light. Right. They're all like, hey, wouldn't it be fucked up if Spotted Leaf actually got pregnant? Oh, no. Um, Oh, no. Oh, no. So there was one of those that was like, wouldn't that be fucked up? That would be fucked up. Um, And a lot of them were like about how, like, the relationship is bad. So it's Mm. not, you know, we don't have a lot of hashtag Spotted Thistle shippers Mm -hmm. out here. We have uh, a lot of opinions in the Tumblr tag. Mm-hmm. Take me through it. Uh, as I have mentioned, there's a lot of people who want it not to be canon because it makes them uncomfortable. We've talked about it is important for fiction to make us uncomfortable so that we can understand why it makes us uncomfortable. You know, you, you can't understand why something is uncomfortable unless you, you know, reflect on it and approach the topic and fiction is a safe place in which to do so. Much worse things than this have been published, I assure you. (laughs) Like, just because it is in fiction does not mean it is the author supporting such a thing as a lot of the people who are on Tumblr seem to think it is. Oh, no. A lot of them are like, Vicky Holmes is a supporter of grooming and age gap romance. I'm like, first of all, calm the fuck down. This is a series about murder cats. Like... (laughs) It's, it, it dials back into violence is okay, but sex is bad. But, yeah. you know, I mean, that's the thing is like, I've talked about this, I think, before. There is such a push from a select group of individuals on the internet, especially who think that anything that makes them uncomfortable in fiction is morally bad and should not exist. And that I just cannot get behind because mm-hmm. that's... The point of fiction is to explore things in a, like, not real situation. There are not literal cats. Like, this is not a, a nonfiction. This is not a story about, like, something that has actually happened. I'm just imagining the version of this that is nonfiction. And it's... Somebody even was like, I'm just blown away that Spider Leaf's Heart was even allowed to be published. That book had to be read and reread, edited and revised, and then still was like that, and they saw no problem, and it's still on shelves for kids to read. Mad, very mad. I'm never having kids, but despite how much I love Warrior Cats, I would never let my kids read it. It has way too many problems in it. Like, okay, fine, but can we not pretend that this is about you, like, wanting to protect kids? And more about you being uncomfortable with having to grapple with this in fiction and deciding that no one should ever read it. It just it, it boggles my mind. I've been on uh, a, a long time ago. I was on a, uh, a panel of um, like a community panel of people who were trying to like review books that parents had brought to the district. Uh, to get banned. And so the people on the panel were tasked with reading the book, figuring out whether or not the claim is justified, and then deciding what to do. And, you know, the re- there was only one book in the entire time that I was on that panel that we had to get together and meet about. And the reasons that the parent wanted this book banned is because the kid says damn once. And secondly... The father is divorced and has a new girlfriend. That's it. Mm -hmm. So I I just don't have a lot of sympathy for people who claim that 
wholesale removing content from children is what needs to be done because there are much worse things out there on shelves for children but you know that you know it's a personal choice if you don't want your kids to read it that's totally fine Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that it shouldn't like kids shouldn't be allowed to read it or parents shouldn't be allowed to decide for their kids yeah is basically what i'm saying anyway this Mm -hmm. is a very long rant from me just the point is it's fiction calm the fuck down (laughs) um Additionally, because a lot of the people who are like hating on the book are not hating on it in the way that we were like, yeah, it could have been better written, like from a story structure standpoint. It was right. this book sucks because she never told anyone what Thistleclaw did. Right. Not Which is this not book sucks because not this book sucks because the writers didn't do a good job with the story structure, but this bo- book sucks because the groomed character never told anyone that she was groomed. Which is which exactly is, the opposite of what you should be taking from this situation. Mm-hmm. Which is so incredibly fucked up to me because it is so victim blamey. And, you know, I know, like I just said, it's all fiction. But that's why I'm like, it. Th- that's not a valid reason to hate a book because a character made a decision that, you know, she didn't even really get that it was bad. No, you. When you're that age, you don't understand exactly. You don't understand that, like, oh, hey, this this person I really look up to is giving me a lot of attention. Like to her, it's it's good because hey, the person she likes is giving her attention. Yeah. Apparently, there are thistleclaw defenders out there. Whatever, a whole mess of things. (laughs) But yeah, essentially, I had to exit out of Tumblr because (laughs) so much of the Spottyleaf's heart tag was not about the story structure or anything like that. It was all about character choices and also how dare my book about murder uh, have implications of an age gap. What are we doing to the children? Right. Um, Which is... So I mean, and I'm not I'm not here to say that the age gap isn't uncomfortable. Right. We're not saying that at all. But but like it can exist. It exists in a lot of fiction. Yeah. Like a lot of fiction. Oh, yeah. Turn on fucking ABC family and you will find, (laughs) I guarantee, at least one show about somebody trying to date their teacher. Like, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. It was not Glee. Remember that? Fucking Glee. (laughs) We all watched Glee. We all were lured in by Glee. I will say that. Um, But yeah, like, we're not saying that it, it can't be uncomfortable. In fact, I'm... I appreciate that it is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But what we are saying is that just because it is uncomfortable doesn't mean it should not exist. Because shit happens, and also, it's fake. It's cats. Yeah, you know? Take a breath. Take it's a cats. breath. It's cats. So that's why I clicked out of Tumblr, because I was getting a little heated. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody else made a point that they think about Tigerpaw, who lost his father figure, had Thistleclaw as the replacement who was kind of seen as a very noble warrior, but then was actually molding him into a little violent demon, basically. And that's a different type of grooming. Like, it's, you know, he's... Thistleclaw is, like, traumatizing several children in this book. Absolutely. like, it doesn't... It makes sense that he would, you know, manipulate Spotted Paw, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, you know, it's, it's complicated, and I think... 
it is important to talk about the complications while Mm -hmm. being open to the fact that, like, because it is complicated doesn't mean it shouldn't exist. And it can be canon, even if it's uncomfortable. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, fandom. But uh, again, the fandom hates on Spotted Leaf a lot. They always have. Fandom hates women. I feel like I've gone on a very long rant here, and I apologize for talking so much. I but, mean, it's our podcast. We can talk so about true. whatever we fucking want. It's I so just true. don't, I, I haven't had much input because I don't necessarily feel like I have the vocabulary or like anything uh, particularly of, of like value to say here other than <laughs> okay. like, other than agreeing with you. Oh, good. Um, at least, at least there's that. At least one person thinks I'm right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I, this is a thing that we see in in fandom everywhere, like not just oh God, we've yeah. talked about this a lot. The fandom has a lot of things. There is uh, sort of a weird resurgence of Puritan values in fandom right now. That is, I think this might be like me being naive. I feel like it comes from a place of of like people learning things like healthy relationship dynamics and what an unhealthy relationship dynamic is and and instead of like applying that in just their real life they've Mm -hmm. decided that they also have to apply that to the media they consume no that's Um, exactly what it is scout which is like it's an over it's an over correction um I, I was recently re-listening to a podcast about the Satanic Panic, which had a similar instance of uh, what happened in the Satanic Panic is that people suddenly realized that children can tell the truth. Uh, and then they all forgot that children can also lie or be coerced <laughs> into saying the yeah. thing that adults want them to say. And so and that overcorrection came in part from the shame of looking back at history where children were treated like animals uh, that didn't like have feelings or didn't actually know what was happening around them or et cetera, et cetera. And suddenly whiplashing back to everything that the children say has to be true and has to be a thing that happened and can't be something that was like constructed by hearing the stories of adults around them or whatever. And I feel like there's parallels with like humans have a history of overcorrecting when they realize that something has been like bad in the past. And then they're like, well, the past was bad. It was bad in the past and I want to be not bad. So here's this is how I have to do everything that wasn't in the past. I have to do the I have to go to opposite land. (laughs) Uh, And then you and then you end up with bad warrior cats takes. Yeah, well, no, I think you're exactly correct. And a lot of people are comparing the way that folks are discussing media lately to the way it was with the Satanic Panic, with its where it is very much like you you hit it right on the head. It is an overcorrection. It is a, hey, we have finally learned what a healthy relationship dynamic is like. Therefore, if it doesn't have a healthy relationship dynamic, it shouldn't exist because people are not going to realize that this is not a healthy relationship dynamic, which like is not giving people enough credit. Right. Exactly. Um, And also like, you know, we all fall into it sometimes. Like we all, we all make mistakes. I was like that with fucking Twilight back in (laughs) 
I mean, you remember back in the day, like everyone was like, oh, Twilight, nobody Twilight should be reading so it because it's up. so fucked up. It's such a problematic like story, which like, yes, it is, but not for the reasons we all thought it was. Yeah. Um, it's actually the racism. Yeah. Shockingly enough. <laughs> the racism is. Uh, actually, cool. it's the racism. Um, mm. But, you know, and a lot of. I don't want to generalize. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be that adult that's like this generation. A lot of it is teenagers who are just learning this for the same t- for the first time. But because of the way the internet is structured right now, mm-hmm. there's not a safe place for teens to figure that shit out without butting into adult spaces. Right, exactly. And yeah, when you say when you say it's teenagers, you're not saying it's because of the teenagers. You're right, saying I'm it saying is a that the that it is a side effect of the way that the internet works that there are no barriers between these right. uh, these communities. Exactly. There's there's no barrier between the communities because teens come in and tell adults like, "Well, this is problematic." And the adults are like, "Okay, aunt." <laughs> like <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I enjoy a romance between a vampire and a, and a 20-year-old. Like, whatever. So sue me. I'm an adult. I know it doesn't actually happen in real life. <laughs> that is, no, that is legitimately, there was a TikTok I saw, I saw one time. It was like, oh. anybody who enjoys any vampire or immortal slash mortal relationship is problematic because of the age gap. And I'm like, vampires aren't real. Like, <laughs> vampires are not real. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this to you. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is a very complicated thing. And it is there's a lot of shit going on around it right now. And I just think that it's not the fault of age. It is the fault of the way that the internet is crumbling yeah if i'm gonna be honest oh yeah i mean there's also a big issue that is something that has been building for a long time and probably has existed for a long time is just like man we we are not teaching people critical thinking skills yeah and we really need to get on that please learn critical thinking skills it's really useful uh, I know at least in the United States that it dead ass is not taught in schools. Yeah. In fact, and mostly the and opposite. It's, and it's not the fault of the teachers. Nope. It is the fault of the governing boards. Uh, so if you would like to uh, kind of stop this, you know, go to your board of education and try and see what you could do about fucking changing the curriculum. Yeah. Vote for boy, oh legislators boy. that are going to you know, promote not just STEM, but the humanities, Mm -hmm. you know, we can't do much, you know, not being in said positions, but you know, we can do, we can do our part. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. So listen, this is what you listen to the Warrior Cats podcast (laughs) for is for me to sit here and tell you that the way you can make real change is to get involved in your local government. Yeah, for real though. You know, you don't have to change the world. You can just change a little bit of it. Yeah. And on that note, uh, I'm also holding off on AMVs since uh, we're going to be there. You know, all of this is kind of taking place around the same time that the Prophecies Begin starts. uh, So it's going to have a lot of spoilers. So I am not going to really touch on them. Uh, So why don't we head on to the airing corner? Yeah. Um, So I could find basically nothing about the writing of these novellas. I found almost nothing. 
I believe Spotted, Leaf, Spotted Leaf's Heart was the last novella that Vicky wrote before retiring from the team uh, due to her cancer treatment. I have mentioned that before. I believe that she is in remission or it is gone now at this point. She is doing quite well. She is thriving. Uh, but at the time that like Spotted Leaf was was being written, she was in she was retiring for health reasons. Um, so I suppose it makes sense that there isn't that much out here. So what I've done instead is a little roundup of statistics for the season. So for this season, we had Kate Carey, who wrote only super editions, none of the novellas, and wrote four out of five of the super editions that we read for this season. She wrote Mothflight's Vision, Tall Star's Revenge, Crooked Star's Promise, and Blue Star's Prophecy. Cherith Baldry wrote the other remaining super edition. That was the only thing that Cherry Cherith Baldry wrote this season, and that was Yellowfang's Secret. Victoria Holmes wrote five out of eight novellas. She wrote Cloudstar's Journey, Mapleshade's Vengeance, Goosefeather's Curse, Pine Star's Choice, and Spotted Leaf's Heart. And Clarissa Hutton wrote the other three novellas, the remaining novellas, which were Thunderstar's Echo, Shadowstar's Life, and Redtail's Dead. And of course, our guy Dan Jolly wrote two out of two manga, uh, which was Exile from Shadow Clan and Rise of Scourge. And uh, I would love to hear, like, Jill, tell me your highs and lows for this season here in the Aaron Corner. I mean, my high, you know, is Maple Shades Vengeance. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely makes sense. Uh, me and AJ over here shaking hands <laughs> shaking about hands. Maple Shade. Maple Shade's Vengeance, Tall Star's Revenge, and Crooked Star's Promise, I think, are my top three. Oh, um, yeah. I really enjoyed those. Goosefeather's Curse and Pine Star's Choice are very, very close. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Dan Jolly, my man, really fucking killing it with the mangas. Hell yeah. I think it is interesting how. Most of them have, like, at least one that I really loved. Yeah. And one that I did not care so much for. Yeah, uh, Except for Cherith and Dan, because Cherith only did Yellowfang Secret, which I really enjoyed, and Dan yeah. did both the manga, which I really enjoyed. But yeah, it wild to me that Kate Carey wrote the atrocity that is Mothlight's Vision and the shining star that is Crooked Star's Promise. I know. It's absolutely <laughs> unreal to me it, that it, that author wrote those two books. Yeah, I... Wow. Which, I, it just, it boggles the mind mm-hmm. to think about how, what, like, not only do the books vary wildly between author in terms of their quality, but it, like, even with these specific Even with writer, author, the, the quality variance is yeah. unreal. It's, it's really, like, one of the things that I think has been the most interesting in, like, compiling this and also just keeping track of which Aaron is writing which one. I really thought at the beginning of this podcast that we would go through and I would find out, okay, so this is the Aaron that... I just don't jive with her writing style as much. And so she is the one that's writing the books that I'm not really uh, that hot on. Uh, Turns out, no, it's all over the place, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is so fascinating. It is wild to me. (laughs) Like, I, yeah, I'm astounded. Mm -hmm. My top three are Pine Star's Choice, Maple Shade's Vengeance, and Crooked Star's Promise, I think. Nice. Goosefeather just just barely just in shadow barely the top didn't three. Make the cut. It was it was it was hard between it was actually sort of between I think the order is actually Pine Star, Crooked Star, Maple Shade, and Ooh. Maple Shade just inched out Goosefeather. Yeah. 
That's fair. Um, I mean, those are banger choices, honestly. Yeah, it could be because Pine Star's choice recently came out, and so I was mm-hmm. re-listening to our episode on it and thinking about it a lot. But man, I just really liked Pine Star's choice. That was yeah, a good I know novella. you did. You love Pine Star. I love that for you. Like, yeah. he is your blurbo. He is kind of my blurbo, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so that's the that's the Aaron Corner. Yeah. Um, you know, as you were reading all those out, I really was just like, damn, we read a lot for this season. This was a packed season. There was so much. Yeah. There really isn't going to be another season quite like this one. Yeah. Um, there's going to be. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, we've Sometimes got like I just a couple at... of like short stories and novellas peppered in here and there. But like, yeah, but this, this was is the, definitely this is... the thick one. This is a this is a hefty one. Um, I mean, we do have ten episodes technically planned for the next season, but I don't feel like it is as packed because it is not twenty super editions. Yeah, it's not all these super editions. There's like well, one. there's three. There's technically three, three super editions uh, because three? we have Leopard Leopard Star's Honor, Fire Star's Quest, and Sky Clan's Destiny. Oh shit! I didn't see Sky Clan's Destiny there on the list. Yeah, because right. because of the way that the timeline is, it's mm-hmm, listed mm-hmm, beneath mm-hmm. the the manga that we'll also be doing for that episode. Okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, but like this is definitely in terms of the amount of content and the amount of years spanned. Like, yeah. this is the chunkiest. Yeah, this is a chunky one. So this thank you one. all for keeping with us for it. Yeah. I say this, like, every day in our uh, in our dev chat, but, like, I just love making this show so much. I do, too. Uh, and so thank you, Jill, for doing it with me. Thank you, AJ, for editing it. We love you, AJ. And thank you, listener, for listening. I know we're exactly. talking like we're ending the episode, but we still yeah, have, we still have some week. stuff to do. Uh, <laughs> we got to get, man, this one. Remember when we started this call and we said, I don't know if this is going to be much of an ep. I mean, uh, I did go on a 20 minute rant about the fall of the Internet. So, yeah, but that's important. You know, that's true. We're, we're covering important stuff. Uh, but let's talk about our Warrior Cats of the Week. Yeah. A little difficult to pick one, considering how short every single story was. Yeah, everything felt everything. The well, the well was running dry with this one. Um, so I don't have too much to say. Um, mm-hmm. But we're gonna have a a returning champion for Spotted Leaf's heart for me is Feather Whisker. Oh my God, same. Yes, who was your uh, your Warrior Cat of the Week last uh, last episode, and is gonna be mine for this episode for Spotted Leaf. Uh, I just love anytime Feather Whiskers around. I'm like, that's a great yeah. guy. He um, feels like the pebble heart of Road to Rusty. Yeah, absolutely, man. There's always got to be. Oh, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about more medicine cat boys. Uh huh. Coming down the line, I'm thinking about them and I'm holding them in my hands. Yeah. Some that you haven't even. The some I don't think you've met any of the characters that I'm thinking of. Oh my! I'm excited. So. For Red Tail's dead, uh, Ravenpaw is yeah, my, same. <laughs> yeah, Ravenpaw is my warrior cat of the week. Uh, yeah, I don't really think F- Fear of Fire warrants a warrior cat of the week. No, no, we don't need a we don't need a warrior cat of the week for it, Fear of Fire. It's literally like a paragraph's worth <laughs> of content. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say about? The, our warrior cats of the week. No, I just love Ravenpaw. So Ravenpaw's so good. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't in top form in this uh, no, novella. Was... I will agree, but I still, I at least him. in my head, he was just. He He's was being performative, trying to yeah. to impress Tiger Claw. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, <laughs> he's my baby. 
I did have uh, we a Ravenclaw are... plushie, plushie when I was a kid. Again, oh. a, a cat plushie that looked like Ravenpaw. Perfect. But I think you can technically buy a Ravenpaw they're plushie, ugly. but they're so ugly. They're so they're ugly. They're so ugly. But look at that. Look how they massacred my look boy. Look how they massacred my boy. Although the new ones, the, the large plus, plushes look better now. They do have a, they have a nice J feather one, actually. Ooh. I'll show it to man, you. Man, that man. To talk about not my little meow meow medicine cat man. I'm going to punch him. Um, <laughs> that's for later, though. Uh, so we're going to have a little post credits scene. Yes, yeah, so stick uh, around. For y'all. So stick around. Um, but for now, if you have any thoughts, opinions, questions, memes, share them with us. Write to us at pawsandclawspod at gmail.com. That's pause as in what a cat has, claws as in the part of speech, pod as in podcast. We are also on Twitter at pawsandclaws and on Tumblr at pawsclawspod. And if you are 18 years or older, you can come join us on Discord, which will be linked in the show notes. And you can find me on Blue Sky, Twitter, or Tumblr at humblegoat. I don't know why I went in this accent. Um, yeehaw! Yeehaw! You can see the art that I do, including our podcast cover art, at scoutwilkinson.myportfolio.com. Links to my portfolio, as well as my coffee page, are in the show notes as well. Uh, and you can still find me on Twitter at plot underscore twists, or on blue sky at plot hyphen twists. Or on Tumblr at antique-romantic. I do apologize for not being uh, super brand-friendly, but uh, not all of them have the same spacing uh, <laughs> usages. So, sure. unfortunately, that's we're just going to have to deal. Uh, <laughs> our next episode will be out in two weeks, where we will discuss Into the Wild, the first book of The Prophecies Begin. Please make sure you are checking out the... Aaron Hunter book and not the one about Chris McCandless's journey across the United States. Read along by buying the book from a local bookstore or checking out a copy from your local library. Until then, dear listeners, may StarClan guide your paws. Warriors missing seam, a fear of fire. Bright orange flames flickered at the edges of the camp, and Tiger Claw's mouth filled with bitter smoke. He tried to run to the tunnel that led out of the hollow, but his fur was caught by brambles. He was trapped. Tiger Claw struggled desperately listening to the flames roaring and crackling as they raced nearer. Help me! he yelled. Tiger Claw, wake up! There was a dig in his ribs, and the dark brown Tom sat up with a jerk. A narrow tabby face was peering anxiously at him. I think you were having a bad dream. 
tiger claw scowled. No need to jab me like that, Running Wind. I knew I was only dreaming. He jumped out of his nest, shaking his fur to get rid of scraps of leaf and moss. Outside the warrior's den, the air already felt heavy and warm, only a moon into green leaf and it was hotter than any cat could remember. Redtail was arranging the dawn patrols. Tigerclaw, you and Ravenpaw can join Lionheart and Greypaw along the two-leg play's border. Kitty Pet scent has been stronger there than usual recently. Tigerclaw nodded and padded over to the golden tabby Tom and his thick-furred apprentice. Ravenpaw came scampering out of the apprentice's den, a twist of moss clinging to one ear and his fur still ruffled from sleep. Tigerclaw would usually growl at him for being late, but his head was too full of flames and smoke from his dream. So the little black Tom fell in behind the rest of the patrol and followed them out of the tunnel. Lionheart led the way along the high wooden fence that separated the redstone two-legged dens from the forest. Tigerclaw hung back, carefully sniffing each bush and clump of grass, searching for signs that kitty pets had crossed the boundary. What was that? The stench of kitty pet slop? A scrap of fur that was too soft to cope with brambles? A puny scratch mark on a fallen branch? Tigerclaw felt his hackles rise on his neck. He crept toward a tree that overhung the wooden fence. The sense grew stronger, and he knew that a kitty pet had been sitting here last night. Flexing his haunches, he sprang up the tree and onto the top of the fence, where he balanced for a moment. Looking down at the clipped green grass and bright colored flowers on the other side. To his horror, the air was tainted with something else, the smell of burning. His ears filled with the crackle of flames and he felt his fur scorch and shrivel. Fire! A voice whispered inside his head. Run, Tigerclaw, run for your life. This fire will destroy you. Tigerclaw leapt back down the tree, screeching to his patrol. Run, Two Lake Place is on fire. Tell the clan to get to the river as fast as they can. Paws thundered along the fence and Lionheart and the apprentices skidded to a halt beside him. Where is it? Lionheart panted. Tigerclaw jerked his chin toward the two-leg den. In there. Come on, we have to clear the hollow. Greypaw sniffed the air. I don't smell anything. Lionheart started to scramble up the tree. Tigerclaw stared at him. What are you doing? Are you mad? That's where the fire is. Lionheart looked down at him from the top of the fence. There's nothing there, Tigerclaw. I think you are mistaken. Tigerclaw gritted his teeth. I know what fire smells like, he growled. Perhaps it was a monster, Ravenpaw offered. They have a terrible stench when they wake up. He had the decency to flinch when Tigerclaw turned an icy gaze upon him. Two-leg place is on fire, he hissed. But as he spoke, he was aware that the smell of smoke had faded, and he could no longer hear the hungry rattle of flames. Lionheart was still looking down at the two-leg den. Honestly, Tigerclaw, there's nothing here. It's just a little ginger kitty pet, asleep under a bush. And I don't think he's anything to worry about. 